Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I have the team from the very awesome and creative high fantasy comic book, Wailing Blade. It's from writer and creator Rich Dueck and artist Joe Mulvey. Um, It was an absolute amazing time talking with these two. Um, And if you haven't checked out, make sure you check out their Kickstarter at the time that this is released. I believe they have about four or five more days. So make sure you go to Kickstarter and search Wailing Blade. They have an awesome hardcover comic book. Um, It's die cut. It has the um, first six issues available for you. Make sure you go and check it out. It is an amazing, amazing book. And since we're on the topic of Kickstarter, I myself have a Kickstarter out. Uh, for my next horror series called Forgotten Hymns. Um, it is on Kickstarter as well. You can get the first issue. We have variant covers and other really exciting rewards for you um, to get. And if you'd like a free comic, you could get um, a copy of my hit horror series, Men of Sin, at aguildy.com forward slash free comic. Make sure you get those today. So without further ado, here's an interview with the Wailing Blade team, Rich Duick and Joe Mulvey computer all right everyone welcome back to another episode of the podcast with me today i have the wailing blade creators that's now live on kickstarter we have uh, rich dueck and joe mulvey so guys thank you so much uh, for joining me today thanks for having us man we're uh, really happy to be here um, i don't want to speak for joe but i know <laughs> i just feel like i feel like i'm just on a little bit of rough start he's wearing his braggadocious bears hat you know what i mean like i like i'm a jets fan i don't need to see this shit a winning record it's not the way to start off a, a show but let's I'm, I'm gonna give benefit of the doubt well thank you I, I appreciate that we're not you know we're not that uh far in the winning column so it's uh a little bit uh you know we're, we're not that we're not that good okay one second for any uh listener who doesn't know this uh could you please uh say the bears record as of right now as of right now it is five and four Okay, now, could you also tell them what the Jets record is? It's zero and a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's zero and a question mark. Yes, That's just it. Just, yeah. just the infinity sign. Zero mm-hmm. and then never ending. Uh, mm. uh, every, every New York team that ends in Ets has, it seems to have that problem. Jets, Mets. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's rough. All right, we won't bore your listeners with sports talk, but yeah. No, I, 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 I'm a big sports fan, so we could, we could talk sports all the, the whole time. But, um, you know, one, one reason why I, uh, I really wanted you guys on this podcast is that I, I just love the world that you guys created. Um, just Wailing Blade from like the first panel and the first page of issue one is just like breathtaking and it completely kind of just sucks you in. Um, so like my, my first kind of like question, can you guys just talk a little bit about Wailing Blade and kind of the universe um, that you guys created? Cause I think it's awesome. And you know, more people, they haven't checked this comic out. More people definitely need to grab a hold of it. Thanks man. Um, yeah. So Wailing Blade, the idea is that uh, it's sort of like a future dark age. So um, in the world of Wailing Blade, maybe like 10,000 years prior to when the story starts, mankind had uh, kind of an, an interstellar empire where, you know, spaceships, aliens, technology, like like a golden age. And then this is the age after all of that fell apart. And um, 
what you have is, is that society has regressed kind of to a feudal state where you've got warlords and city states and, and, and things like that. And the big differentiator is the people that have the power are the, are the people that are controlling kind of the last remnants of technology from, from the interstellar empire. So uh, in some cases it's like, you know, like alien monsters that were brought to earth. In other cases, it's just like straight up technology. Um, And some of the, these most, some of the most powerful artifacts are these weapons um, uh, that they used to use. And uh, the most famous one is this blade called the Wailing Blade. And the Wailing Blade is so-called because when it's used in combat, it emits this really high-pitched, high-pitched wail. Um, and it's wielded, it and along with a bunch of other weapons, are wielded by these executioners who are sort of these like superhuman warriors that work for um, this guy named the Tyrant of Mintern who controls huge um huge part of uh, earth under like his iron grip and, and the executioners are the ones keeping it keeping it under his thumb so that that's that's the world the story is basically that um you know our, our main character this guy named Tykin, he's a bandit and his father um gets captured by uh by the tyrant's forces and is sentenced to death at the hands of uh, the, the wailing blade wielded by this executioner named the head taker and Tyken uh, in uh, the first part of the book has to figure out how he can uh, defeat the head taker and save his father. But it's like, things get complicated from there. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's uh, like, it's, it's really, it's really kind of like really breathtaking, um, like right away when you open up the book and you kind of get sucked into that world you just described like right away. So like, Joe, what was it like kind of drawing this world? Cause like Rich just like went on this, like he's he, like that, that world is huge, <laughs> man. Like, what was it like to like bring that world to life? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't like uh, fantasy stuff. I only recently saw Star Wars a few years ago for the first time. Um, so fantasy stuff, sword and sorcery is not my bag at all, but I really like Rich. We've known each other for, you know, a bunch of years and we always wanted to work on something together. And then uh, I, I'll, I'll see how uh, honest Rich wants to be with his frustration with me in the beginning of this. But like when we started and I was sending him character designs, I'm like, I started looking at science fiction stuff and I'm like, I think the thing I don't like about science fiction is maybe one, I had no taste for it. So I wasn't really looking at the quality science fiction material, like Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, you know, whatever, Stormtroopers, this, it all kind of started to look alike. But then like the more I researched it, I saw that, okay, the real popular stuff just kind of got a lot of clones throughout the years. And then you throw in a Kurt Russell, you throw in that, like there'd be certain things that would like separate it, but, the aesthetic was always the same. So like um, when we got uh, Chris Sotomayor, the colorist on Wailing Blade, who's a phenom in and of himself, uh, the White Wolf is his nickname. He is um, like this amazing colorist. We've worked together before and I just kept hammering home in every character design, in every environment design. I want unique, 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 unique. Like I want it to be like from page one, you know you're in the world of Wailing Blade. 
And I mean, I can't tell you how long it took us to develop the book, at least six months to be fair. Cause I was like, the, the sky has to be this, there has to be different. Like, I think I put like, you know, nipples or bumps on all the trees. So you really know that there's this past story that when you know that the world has fallen, you kind of see it in a bit of the environment. Like mountains are like daggers. They're not like these, you know, like they're not like mountains that we know now. They're almost like these pointed fingers coming out of the ground. And every tree is twisted and gnarled because there's something that happened to a scorched earth. And like everything had a thought process uh, going into it. And I'm really glad that like Tyler at Comics Tribe and Rich and even uh, Chris Sotomayor really ran with all that. And they were cool with it because I'm like, I wanted exactly the effect you said when you opened the book. Like, I wanted you to be like, this is something I've never seen before. Yeah. I, I didn't find it frustrating at all, to be honest, because I think it was actually good that you, you know, kind of came, maybe came to science fiction and fantasy a little bit late because, you know, it, it's one of those things where like, you know, the, like the fish doesn't know it's in, it, it's in water until you take it out of the water. It's like, you know, when you're really into this sort of thing, like science fiction and fantasy and stuff, you, you it, it's hard to, to see how much of it looks the same. So you kind of coming at it with an outsider's perspective, I think really did help to make it feel unique and feel alive and kind of a little bit different from, from everything else out there. So I think that was a really good thing. And I, you know, I didn't find it frustrating at all. I think it was good to take the time to really like, you know, dive deep and, and try to do something special. Yeah. You know, um, what was it, uh, what was it that got, uh, got you to want to work on this book, uh, Joe? Like, was, was it like the, the pitch, the world building? Was it just him nagging you all the time? One, like, one word, alcohol. That is, that is what happened. He took me out. We were in Brooklyn enjoying some tasty beverages. And, uh, I really, I had heard the story for a while and I really wanted to see the book happen. And then like, the other artist uh, of the book, um, someone like, he, he just was like, wow, it's really hard to draw interiors. I don't want to do this anymore. And then like talking with Rich, I'm like, I think this is such a great idea. It seems like like a, like a next level Masters of the Universe meets Conan. Like there's so much room to play in it. And then another pint and another pint and another pint. And then, you know what? I, I just remember being like, you know what? Screw it. I'll do it. Let's do it. Like I've never done it. And I really did leave um, – energized with this idea of like it's something I've never done before. Like there's only so many times you could draw a city. There's only so many times you could draw a car. Yeah. There's only so many times you could draw people. And like, I, I think I got really excited in the beginning. I think when we first designed Tykin, I think I did like 20 different character designs. And even Tyler was like, Jesus dude, enough. Like just pick one and go. And I was like, no, it's gotta be right. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I think for willingly, like if I had to peg Joe, like, like his art style, I, I was like, you know, Joe loves to do superheroes. He loves doing street level stuff. Like, you know, you, you look at like Scam and, and just like from the pinups you do, like you're like a, a daredevil, like Spider-Man, like, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of like kind of artist. And, and um, but I think Wailing Blade, just, just the fact that you had kind of so much freedom to design this stuff from the ground up, I think really like uh, push your boundaries. Like I, I was even talking cause I, I'm friends with Soto as well. And um, Chris Sotomayor and like, you know, 
we were even talking, I, I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm just like, so amazed at like, you know, the leaps and bounds Joe has like kind of like taken out of his comfort zone and it's really paid off. And, and Soto was like, you know, he was like, this stuff is amazing. Like, um, you know, he loves working on the book. So, uh, which is something because he's a guy who's worked on, you know, name a DC or Marvel book. Soto um, has colored at least a cover, like, you know, and he, he's really a guy at, at the top of his game that like we all just happened to be friendly with and we kind of needed him uh, at like a clutch time because we were trying to get uh, we were trying to get a, an ash can out for Emerald City um, when we were first promoting the book, just like like kind of a not even the whole first issue. I think it was like what, like maybe 16 pages or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, Yep. So we were just sort of running out of time and we needed, um, we needed them colored and we were like, you know, dude, you know, we, you're amazing. And, and like, you know, can, can you just help us out just to get these done? And he was like, sure. Like I'll, I'll fit them in. And he did it. And they, they came out so nice and he was just like, well, what are your plans for the book? So we were like, you know, we don't really know. So uh, he was like, he was like, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Cause he, you know, he just loved working on it. So uh, that, that, that's the story of how we, how we snagged him into that. But I think it worked out really great because um, uh, he, he just has he, he, like him and, and you, Joe, you guys just like work really, really well together. You know, like he knows how to like bring out, all the strengths like in your art. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say that the, it just looks like a great match. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. like just that first panel on the first page of like the, the, I think it's like in the fly and like the, um, mm-hmm. like the plant thing that's eating it. Right. Like just the, the colors and how that's put together. Like I'm automatically like, all right, what's going on here. And just, um, you know, and then the book just kind of takes off. Like, you see them right into the city and it was, it's kind of cool. I'm a, you know, I'm an English teacher by trade. And that first scene reminded me a little bit like, um, like the witch trials. Was that something intentional? Like uh, the Salem witch trials, that something like intentional where like people were like getting accused for no reason. And like, there's like this kind of mass hysteria going on. Like I, I really, really enjoyed that opening scene. It's like a perfect opening scene to like draw people into the book. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, part of it, inspired by the witch trials part of it is inspired kind of like by almost like uh frontier justice you know like like i I think kind of had this idea that was inspired by uh you know you know how we have uh in in america we have what's called the circuit courts Mm -hmm. um so the original term for circuit court was because you know in in uh I guess like the frontier, like old West times and stuff, you know, there, there were only so many judges that could go around. So what they did was judge would like travel and he would travel his circuit. He would go to this town, take, take all their cases, go to the next town, do all their cases. go to, And that, that was like the circuit. It was like a big loop. So we had the idea that since um, there was no kind of like communication and, and technology in, in this, in the setting of the story that you'd have these executioners and they would, they would travel their circuit. So it's like, if you got arrested in the town, you'd basically be in jail until the head taker shows up to, you know, 
kill whoever needs to be killed. So, um, so yeah, but the whole thing we were trying to portray was just, you know, life under this like feudal rule where there, there really is no kind of like, um, justice in a way it, it, it's just sort of like whatever the the people with power kind of decide there, there's no there's no sort of like higher ideals to um to the way justice and vengeance are like meted out yeah speaking of like the head taker uh joe what was it like coming up with that like character design because that like that dude's gnarly man like, like, how long did that take you? Like, how many, like, iterations did that take you to come up with kind of his design? Because that and the Wailing Blade are just, like, two just, like, super cool images that are, like, feel, like, really kind of iconic and really kind of um, special and unique to your book. Well, like, I, thank you very much, first of all. Um, secondly, I feel like the head taker was easier. He was the easier of the a lot of the characters. But the Wailing Blade took me, like, a few stabs, like, I must have done like maybe 10 or 20 different blades. And then I was like looking at different like videos of, of sword fights and famous movie sword fights. And then I was just like, what if it was tilted? And also I will say this, if you, if, if you're listening and you haven't seen the sword, just Google Wailing Blade right now for a quick second and check it out. And it, it, it has a very weird tilt to it. You know what I mean? Like we had the actual sword made by a prop uh, master and people had to hold it a certain way. And like, you really understand that just by holding that sword and seeing that sword, the guy that is wielding it, the person wielding it, man or woman, has to be a sturdy being. They have to be... Superhuman. Yes. It's hard. And also, the sword has more than one use. In in this first volume, we see just one use of it. But uh, there are going to be others with all of the weapons. But um, for the sake of designing it, I just was like, I want to see something that I've never seen before. Um, and then when I had the idea for the, the usage of the sword, the design came in with the silver and the black against each other. And then Soto was the one who ran with this like lighting coming up uh, along all the openings, which makes it look even cooler. And, um, and yeah, it was just really, the sword was the thing that I kind of drilled home. I mean, it's also a weird thing, right? You don't ever see a book named after a weapon. You know, Thor is not called whatever it's called. Um, Mjolnir? Is that right? Mjolnir, yeah. Okay, there we go, good. Uh, Wolverine's book is not called Claws. Uh, you know, Cyclops' book is not called Visor. Like, the, these things are normally part of the world. They're not the world. So I thought that was a really cool idea um, on Rich's behalf. And then I just wanted to kind of have a, kind of like what you said, Andrew, an iconic-looking sword. And I was really happy that a lot of the artists, my other buddies who were artists that I showed it to, uh, was like, there's no bleeping way I would want to draw that sword. Like you're an, you're insane. Yeah, it's a and, it's it's such a it's such a cool thing, like the first time in in the book when you see him use it. Um, who's the letterer on this? Because I thought like the way they did like the yee, like on mm-hmm. the blade itself, not only did it capture what you like what everything was going like doing but like i'm like that's just per like it's one of those really cool comics moments where like everything just comes together 100 percent perfect and it's like way like 
it's just like, oh yeah, this is exactly what it would do and look like. And it was just, it was just as a reader, someone who was going through it, it was like one of those like really satisfying moments. Um, so that, uh, that was just like a really cool uh, moment in the book. Yeah. So um, letter, Wailing Blade's letter by Taylor Esposito, who's um, really talented dude. Uh, again, like, like similar to Soto, you know, if you would, name like a, a, a big name book like taylor's probably worked on it you know he used to do a lot of work for dc um he's done a ton of indie work and he was just like just a really talented guy and i think like from you know one of the things when we reached out to him was we were, we were just saying like like you know the book's called wailing blade the thing's supposed to wail so we really need something distinct and something memorable you know i think what what we're saying was like you know if i showed you like a black panel and it said snicked in there like you'd know what was going to come in the next panel you know it's like you know it's wolverine so even though we're we're, you know the uh the blade is more like e and and like it can kind of change in terms of like pitch and things like that so it's not like a snick, like, like, but we, we were like, we want it to be that iconic, that memorable. So when, when, when you, you could see this, you could see it without the blade and know what was coming. And I think he really kind of took that idea and ran with it. And he did a lot of great uh, design work as well. You know, um, as far as like, like the captions go and knowing like who's speaking and what caption, he, he did a lot of like, really great work there too. Yeah. He, he did awesome, awesome work. I, you know, uh, Rich, one, uh, one thing I've noticed not only with Wailing Blade, but kind of like, um, like with gutter magic and some of your other work, uh, you're really good at like building these like really big worlds that your characters kind of play in. Like what's the, what's the world building process like for you? I think like for me, the most important thing that I always try and keep in mind is, is like, it, it's sort of like a sense of, of internal consistency. Like however crazy the rules of the world are, like, you know, gutter magic is, you know, in its simplest form, like, like what if uh, wizards lived out in the open in, 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 uh, in the modern world? Um, Wailing Blade is, is what what would happen in a future where where things are futile but tech, it's technology instead of magic and and I think I do a lot of thinking about how how the world's kind of how everything kind of fits together like, like a puzzle and and how everything everything's got to kind of work consistently so it's like I have rules in my head for like what can magic do what what can't it do what what does technology do? What, what can it do? And, and I think, you know, it's impossible to sort of like fill in every single detail, you know, like, like I made this huge map for Wailing Blade and it's got all these different cities and all these towns and regions on it and things like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll fully admit, I don't know exactly what every single, what, what's going on in every single one of them. You know what I mean? You know, if I was going to do that, it would, it would take, years and years and years to like fill all that in the point is is that for the story we want to tell right now 
all that stuff doesn't need to be filled in. Like I can fill that in like as we go. And it's just sort of knowing what the rules of the world are. I know how to keep it consistent when I do build those things out. So if we do, if we were to go to a new city, I would be able to take what I know about what we already have plotted out and what I know about the world works and build that set, that part of the setting in such a way that it just locks in with everything else, you know? So it's not that, it's not that like, I don't have like a full picture of the world. It's just sort of like, I'm looking at it from like very like high up, you know what I mean? From almost like looking down at the map and, and not having visited every single dot on the map, but knowing what the whole, what the whole thing looks like in, in general. And then when the story takes us to certain places, uh, I'll zoom in and, and fill in what I need to do, what I need to know. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's a great way to, to look at it. When Now that, you know, on Kickstarter right now, you guys have the um, the hardcover for the whole first volume. Can you guys kind of just talk a little bit about that and kind of, um, you know, what backers and, and fans could expect with that? Joe, why don't you jump in? I've been talking for a long time. Well, I'll just say this. Um, I don't want to say it's the greatest comic book of our time, but... <laughs> Um, it's the Bible of comics. I don't, I don't want to oversell it, but what it is, is it's number one comics from the publisher is phenomenal with the presentation that they do on their hardcovers. Like they really stand out. They just did one, um, called she with Ryan K. Lindsay and Chris Hand, I believe. Yeah. And the presentation on that was unbelievable. It was a die cut hardcover, which is like never seen. <clears throat> so they're carrying that over to our campaign. And we're going to have this really nice foil embossed whaling blade front cover with the blade itself. And then it's going to be die cut. And then behind that is going to be a whole new original image made just for um, the campaign. And then along from just having the volume one collected, um, the, the creative team have gotten together and added new pages to the end of the book to kind of propel you into the next series. And then to add even more bang for your buck, <clears throat> there is a Tales of the Blade. Is that the name of it? Legends of the Blade. Legends of the Blade, which is pretty much people in this world um, getting together, you know, by a campfire at a bar, at a family diner, and they're just getting together talking about all these rumored stories of the weapons of the executioners of the tyrant, and most importantly of the Blade. And we have like a lot of up-and-coming and established comic creators doing um stories for the book david uh, pepos of uh spencer and Locke, and recently the oz on kickstarter he's doing one liana kangas is an artist on one melissa white db andry tyler james from comics tribe ryan Lindsay from the pre from Richard she uh john lee's uh man there's a lot there's a lot so there's a lot in this hardcover that um is going to warrant you, you know, taking the time to buy it, to read it, to love it, uh, maybe to buy two copies, um, one to use as a weapon in case anyone ever breaks in your house, the second to, to, to keep. But yeah, man, it's going to be a great collection. Yeah, I think I think one of the great things about Comics Tribe and the way that uh, Tyler approaches these collections is, you know, I think one of the things like what we're trying to do is just really make something special that you're really 
happy to have in your house and like, you know, read yourself and show to other people. It's like, you know, I mean, like the story, it's just a story, you know, like you could read the story on a PDF, you could read it in a lot of different places. So kind of the question it becomes like, well, why am I going to, why would I want this hardcover as opposed to just, you know, getting a PDF? So I think what, what we're really trying to do here and nothing against digital readers, like we, we do have a, a PDF option, but <laughs> it's just like, I think what we're trying to do with, with the hardcover is really give, give something that, you, that will, you know, just make it like a special thing to have, like to have on your bookshelf or on your coffee table wherever you want to keep it, you know, in your window so people can walk by and admire it. Um, it's a good idea. It's you know, idea. Uh, just the idea is, is, is like, we, you know, we wanted the book itself to almost be like, like a piece of art, like in and of itself, aside from the content. So, you know, and, and, and Comic Tribe is just like been consistently like the, the publisher to, to do that, that sort of thing with. So. Yeah. The, the, die cut hardcover looks awesome now uh joe you you did the the cover for it right like how did like the the cover for that come about um honestly tyler james had an idea for uh the cover and came to me and rich and goes what do you guys think about this we were like yes then i went through a few different drawings to kind of um make the figure the figures work looking at each other the head taker and tycon the bandit prince having them looking at each other so that when you look at it from holding the book, you just see the head taker on one side because it's going to be a circle cut out on the, on the front hardcover and the whaling blade foil embossed coming right down, splitting between the two of them. And then when you open it up, it's this new illustration for myself and Chris Sotomayor, which is like, I mean, the art is meh, but the coloring is gorgeous. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, it looks when he sent it to me, the files and I was like, Damn, dude. Damn, that made, like, I would be like, who drew that? Meanwhile, it's like, no, the line sucked, but the colors are amazing. But, um, and that's, that's really where that came from. And then, um, Rich, during the, the, the creation of the book, came up with all these really cool graphic symbols for the head taker, uh, the bone breaker, the bone crusher. Um, no, bone breaker. Head taker, bone breaker. Yeah. And yes. then we just, we introduced two new ones. Uh, throughout the court that are in kind of the new pages that we've already revealed the symbols and the names. So we can, we can say that it's a, a hide flare and the breath stealer. And that's just four. We've got more, you know, so uh, the, the, they'll sort of be revealed as we, as we move on to like further volumes, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so we're having a lot of fun because, you know, each one has their own kind of method of execution, their own, their own weapon. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing how they uh, mix it up. In the yeah. For- well, I-, I was just going to say something so we can get an actual reaction. Andrew, you said this video is not, so this is just an audio podcast. So even though we're looking at each other, no one else will see this video. No one will ever see it. Maybe my okay. wife, but just us. All right. Yeah. I'm going to show you uh, the aforementioned hide flayer. So you're going to be the first person outside of the creatives to see. Ooh, sneak peek. Uh, yeah. Yes, a new design of this character. And, oh, did to go over this way? Oh, yeah, man. Like, oh, yeah, so dude. There's, there's oh, that's, his mask. That is so sweet. 
And then should, should I describe this? I like. I feel yeah. He's got these awesome like blades on each hand, and I love the the arm. Like it fits with the world, dude. Guys, where do so when do we see? Oh my when do we see him? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because I felt like I, I wouldn't have done it justice because it's so mm-hmm. cool. Uh, no, no, no. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to give it away. But I will say, like when I got the pages back from uh, from Soto, my colorist, he was like, "You guys need to make toys of this stuff. This is so cool. Yeah. This is the you know like." And he was super pumped about it. I I literally so when I saw the head taker for the first time, and that was the first thing I thought of was like, "Where's the action?" Like younger me would have loved <laughs> that action figure. I mean, older me now could afford it and buy it, but younger me would have like begged my mother for this every day until I got it. Like he, it looked like an action figure. And that guy, um, which, which character was that? That was the hide flare. The hide. Mm. Oh man. That guy looks sweet. That guy we're, looks really we're, sweet. We're trying, we're trying to track down Todd McFarlane's email. Um, if, if we do, yes. if we do find it, uh, <laughs> Maybe yeah. the uh, you know they, these guys can play with uh, spawn figures or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looks it looks sweet. So, um, uh, Rich, when you're when you're kind of putting like this pitch together together to give to Joe before all of the beers, uh, mm-hmm. like what are, how are you putting it together, and like how are you kind of uh, like presenting it how are you how are you putting this in together because it feels really big and obviously when you're trying to like present this to someone else it's you know it's really it's you know it's probably a lot more condensed to th- than that so like what's kind of yeah. your approach to pitching stuff well it's kind of condensed you, i think you know pitching to an artist and pitching to a publisher is slightly different because you're gonna emphasize like um different things but the the end goal is that you really want to get whoever you're pitching to, to be excited about it and want to see more. And in, you know, in the case of an artist want to do more. So I think, you know, with um, pitching it to Joe, what I, what I was trying to do was, you know, bring across the things that I thought he would be really excited to, to draw and and design and explore. Um, If pitching to, um, to comic tribe or, or to any publisher it, it's it's uh part of it, it it is also like like how cool the art is going to look but it's also about the you know twists and turns of the story and and things like that like you know when, when you're when you're pitching to a publisher you don't really don't want to like hold anything back because they're going to see everything before it gets published anyway so it's it's so there's no use kind of like being like Oh, and then you'll see the secret. I don't want to give it away. It's like, you got to give it away. You got to kind of convince them of how, um, how cool and how good of a read it's going to be. But I think like that, that's kind of like the, the like um, the most important thing about it, no matter who you're pitching it to is that you, the person, whether it's, you know, artist, publisher, or even just like somebody that walks up to your booth at a con, like when you're pitching it to them, you want them to be, excited about it when you're when you're done pitching it and 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 want to want to see more want to want to see it for themselves or do it for themselves so part of it is is just sort of figuring out what aspect of it is going to be most exciting to the person you're talking to yeah i think that's that's great advice and i guess the the inverse 
question to you, Joe, like other than the, uh, the beers you got, like, what is it about certain projects that kind of attract you to, that makes you want to, you know, be a part of it? Um, I gotta, I gotta be attracted to the visual, you know, like when it comes time for someone to talk to me about working on something, um, connection kind of helps because I'm not, um, one of those people who wants to be just told what to do and here's money and, and go do it. I kind of want to be involved in it. And that's why it was great to work with Rich on this because he'd give me the script and then be like, you know, change it however you want, do whatever you want. Um, there's a scene where we have a character named Cletus who's kind of like the um, mini talent manager for the executioner. And uh, I want to get I, into I, him, I, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I've seen the book, picture like Danny DeVito. In, uh... <laughs> That's exactly who I thought. Was he Was he modeled off of Danny DeVito? That's immediately who I thought it the was. Character that he play, the character that he plays, Frank, in Always Sunny from Philadelphia, 100%. Okay. I, I, all right, so I don't. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. We're we're now we're we're kind of in this. There's mm-hmm. a scene that I I very few comics make me actually laugh. Like there's like oh ha ha. It's like you know when you 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 like type lol and you have like the straight face like oh I guess it's mm-hmm. humor. Right, but right. there was a part in when Blade actually laughed where he's peeing on the. Uh, that's what the- I was gonna just say. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was just gonna say. So I said to Rich because the scene opened up with him peeing against this wall and then like the, 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 the light going up and everything that happens in the, in the story. And I said, Hey, would you mind? I want to like add a few of these flower photos. So it's like a flower sprinkle it to a rain. So people are going to think it's starting to rain outside. And then it's like, Oh no, there's like something pouring down in this flower. And then there's like a steady stream of urine hitting this flower. Yeah. I thought that, I thought that was a brilliant just sequence of like, of panels like i was like oh man this is this is hilarious like this it was yeah, so was good intention. and it was it was one of those it was one of those like uh it was one of those really good moments like as serious as this book was like people are dying and like there's like you know family drama and people are trying to get you know family members back and and, and people are getting murdered there's like this daddy the veto character just like peeing yeah. on stuff uh, <laughs> which i thought was awesome like it was just yeah, like one yeah. of those great moments and I appreciate that you liked it so much. And that's literally like, it, and that's the, it, that's what popped into my head when I was reading the script. I was like, you know what? We just came from this heavy thing. And now this, this thing's going to lead right into another heavy confrontation. So maybe I could just take a few panels to like buff up the urination part of it just to have it happen. And then that's the beauty of working with a guy like Rich. Like some people would be like, no, these are my words. My words are my, you know, my, my, my veins, you can't cut my veins, but, but Rich is sincerely like, dude, that's great. Do it. You know? And like, you know, that's why like having a good collaborator is like massive. I mean, the way, the way I kind of like to look at it is it's like, you know, not to get too metaphorical, but I am a writer. Uh, Like if, if, if the project is kind of like a trip that Joe and I are going on together, it's like when I write the script, that's like me writing the roadmap but like he's the guy driving the car. So, you know, if he's driving the car and he sees a detour or a shortcut or, or shortcuts the wrong word, but you know, like, like he sees, you know, like he's the one who's got to deal with like, you know, figuring out whether the road, the map is like accurate or not. You know what I mean? It's like, he might need to make a turn or he might need to, you know, um, do something to, 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 um, get the story where it needs to go. And I, I think that's like a, a big part of like uh, what a great collaboration is, is the fact that like, I, 
I can trust Joe that I trust that any changes he gonna, he's going to make are changes that are going to be for the better, you know? And if it wasn't, I would tell him, you know, like I, I would, I like if he did something that I, I thought was, was, was terrible. Like I would just be like, this isn't working. Like, can, can we think about that? You know, but I think I, I don't, I can't really think of anything that came up where he changed something for my script that, that made it worse. I think it only made stuff better. You know, like I, 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 I think it's really important for people to know that like, you know, yeah, this is a project that I brought to Joe. Like it was an idea I had, but it wouldn't be the same book with a different artist. Like he put so much work into designing everything from the freaking blades of grass, you know, to just like the visual look of it. It's like, I don't consider it like, Oh, this is my book that Joe works on. It's like Wailing Blades, like our book, you know, I I don't want to, you know, um, I don't want to minimize the work he's done like in any way. It's totally like, it's our world that we're, we're developing together. Like I, I'm just sort of like writing it out, but he's the one bringing it to life. So. Well, I want to, I want to hop on that and say, if anyone's listening to this um, and you want to go check out the Kickstarter in the Kickstarter, maybe you're like, all right, I don't want the hardcover. I don't want the whatever you want. Um, Tyler James who runs comic Tribe, has done this really cool thing for like creatives, people who want to learn the process of making comics, which almost everyone does. I make comics. I still want to learn other people's processes because I feel like there's, you know, it, it's a stew and like it always gets better. And there is something called the Wailing Blade Number One uh, Creators Edition, I believe, that is available there. So um, it's a lower price point and it is literally a director's cut of issue one. So it's my my pa- my pencils and inks and then Rich's script and then like some addendums and notes on how things change and how things change from the script to the page and it's a really good behind the scenes look uh for people who want to see like the creative process of making an actual issue yeah i think it's it's gone right oh sorry i was gonna say another thing that we have uh for creators is uh we have this thing called the uh i think it's called like the creator power up or something like it's got some name for it it's a pledge level basically like um it's intended to uh kind of help out aspiring creators who might have a Kickstarter project of their own in the works or just a comic they want to do where uh, what they'll get is um, they'll get a a script review from me or I could either review the script or the pitch and give notes for it. Uh, You'd get a cover drawn by Joe and you'd get uh, some time on Tyler's uh, comics launch podcast and things like that to uh, help get your own project going. And it's just, you know, the only reason I'm mentioning it is because, you know, comics is one of those things where so many people that are into reading them, you know, it's like we love them and and we want to make them. Like, like I, you know, I started out a fan before I was a creator. You know, a lot of people have. So, um, yeah, so there's like that's out there too. You can check it out. Um, but Comic Shrive really kind of came about as a publisher at, of like, just a bunch of like-minded people who just all really love comics and try and figure out how to do it for ourselves rather than, um, you know, just sort of throwing shit at the wall and see what's, you know, kind of hoping for the best. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess uh, this is kind of like a, a natural point. Where can where can people find you guys on social media? Um, any links, like uh, any where they could obviously the Kickstarter or anywhere they could find your work and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, so the Kickstarter, you know, it's like Kickstarter slash blah blah blah, whatever. But we've got a really uh, easy link for you. It's just comicstribe.com slash Wailing Blade, uh, all one word. And uh, that'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. Um, for me, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram um, at rduek, R-D-O-U-E-K. Just spelling it out because it's a complicated name, but, <laughs> but that's it. Um, and I'm mostly on Twitter, but I'm, I'm trying to get better at posting on Instagram. But Twitter's a little bit easier because, uh, you know, I'm a words guy. So, um but you can see there, I also have a site at rduek.com where you can see some of my other work like uh, Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows, which is coming out next week. I'm really excited about. Um, and I also have a newsletter there. You could sign up that uh, keep up with my, um, you know, my projects and things like that. Very cool. Uh, Joe, what about you? Uh, so my name is Joe Mulvey. And the real Joe Mulvey, not that I'm not the real Joe Mulvey, I am this Earth's Joe Mulvey, but there's another Joe Mulvey who's a fisherman and wouldn't give me the Twitter handle. So my name is Joe Mulvey. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a a Joe Mulvey that's a fisherman. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he's not very good. I think he's got like 40 followers. But that guy will not give up that handle. So uh, (laughs) I just, I gave up after a bit and it's just Joe Mulvey. Uh, because I grew up in New York, so every other kid was named Joe. So you had to go by your last name, and my nickname is Mulv. So uh, J-O-E-M-U-L-V, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, um, anything. I'm on all of it. That's awesome, guys. Uh, if you you know if you haven't had a chance, make sure you guys check out the uh, Wailing Blade Kickstarter. I think by the time this comes out, um, it'll be about another week left in the campaign so make sure you check it out before it's gone guys thank you so much for uh being here it's been time with me man uh chatting it up no, thank you thank you so much for having us yeah, yeah thanks for having us man it was a really good time yeah thanks and enjoy <laughs>